Welcome to the Creative Collective Podcast. I'm Kelly, one of your hosts, and I have Jen here with me today. And we are so excited today to be interviewing Britt Guerin. She is a licensed mental health counselor, fitness professional, and co-founder and owner of Current Wellness. She specializes in working with folks who are experiencing anxiety, relationship issues, disordered eating, disordered exercise, embodiment, and trauma. She uses a health at every size approach, a somatic lens, and the principles of intuitive eating to help clients create a healthy relationship with their body, food, and exercise. We are so excited you're here, Brett, and so excited to dive in and learn from you today. Um, would love to know, I mean, that is such an amazing resume you've got there. Um, tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to where you are today. Yeah, I'd love to. Well, I don't know that I'd love to. It's always weird talking about yourself, you know, <laughs> but I'm happy to. Um, so yeah, growing up, I played sports. Um, so I think that was kind of my first um, introduction into movement was um, athletics and um, studied kinesiology in undergrad as kind of just like, what's next? Like I, I actually, I played collegiate college, uh, collegiate tennis for a little bit. Um, but then, you know, it was just like a hobby at that point. And I, you know, um, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do other things. Um, but it was kind of like, what's next after sports? And I really loved movement and wanted to continue that into my profession. So I went into kinesiology. It's interesting thinking back though, because at that point I had no idea what health at every size was. I had no idea what diet culture was and I had no idea how entrenched I was <laughs> in mm -hmm. diet culture. Mm -hmm. um, so it was like, yes, I loved movement, but also was doing it to stay thin. You know, I was doing it very much for body image and what I thought was for quote unquote health, but I didn't know was so intertwined into diet culture and, and the thin ideal. Um, so it got me... It got me into, you know, teaching movement, which I'm grateful for, but then I had a lot of unlearning to do once I was like in, once I was studying mental health and I got into eating disorder work, I was like, oh, I have to unlearn a lot of this stuff. Um, I, when I was studying my, uh, getting my master's in clinical mental health, that's where I was kind of introduced with some of these concepts and it really it all, it was like, I was ready for that information. It all made sense. When I read the book, health at every size, I was like, this just is giving me language to some of the um, questions I was having and some of the doubts along the way. Like, like I mentioned at one point, I had no idea I was um, entrenched in diet culture, but then it was like, yeah, there were some obsessive behaviors and some restriction that was like, is this really healthy? I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so yeah, just a lot of like the weaving of my professional and personal identity really has gotten to me to where I am today. And, um, yeah, I love, I love doing what I do. I'm grateful to do this work. That's amazing. I resonate so deeply with your story, actually. I mean, I wasn't a collegiate athlete or anything, but I resonate with the, how getting into like fitness and exercise kind of became 
um, a little bit of an obsession and there was, um, there were definitely some unhealthy attachments I had to it at one point. And so I totally, um, get completely what you're saying, where you're coming from. Yeah. I mean, how could we not living, living in the society? Mm -hmm. We're all kind of surrounded by Mm -hmm. it, entrenched in it. So it's, it makes sense how, how we got here. (laughs) For sure. Yeah, I I appreciate hearing um, more about your background too. I have a very long history of um, sports. I used to play two sports a season when I was growing up. I almost went to college for volleyball. Like that's just all I knew. And what I really focused on all the time was the performance of my body. Like I was lifting all the time. I was running. I was doing like a lot of conditioning. Um, So just the focus on my body all the time was at the time I thought that's what I needed to do, but I don't think I was doing it in the right way. Um, so one of the, one of the concepts that I hear all the time is body positivity, but a new Mm -hmm. phrase that I've been made aware of is body neutrality. So I'm Mm -hmm. wondering if you could, for everybody listening, just kind of discuss what does body positivity mean versus what does body neutrality mean and how do they coexist or exist separately as well? Mm-hmm. Sure. Body positivity um, is really like, you know, a movement of encouraging us to show appreciation for all body types, all body sizes. Um and I, I would love to know the history on this. Kind of my my guess is that body neutrality came after body positivity because it can feel frustrating for people who, um, you know, might live in a larger body or feel insecure about their body. And because of, you know, these concerns because of weight stigma and fat phobia. And then we're like, we'll just be positive about your body. It's like, um, not sure about that, you know? Um, so it can feel frustrating and inaccessible to people. So I kind of wonder if body neutrality came next. And that's the idea that we don't have to be positive or negative, you know, about our body. So it's really encouraging neutrality, um, and divesting from these systems that say you have to look a certain way, your body has to be a certain size, Um, but instead kind of connecting or attaching to this idea of like, wow, my body, you know, what does it do for me? Um, does it take me from A to B, um, or my body helps me breathe, you know, all these things. So kind of, um, focusing on the, the function of our body and being more neutral about the aesthetics. That's so interesting too, that I think like to your point, so much of it is an extreme of like super positive or super negative, but we do also exist in that, you know, neutral state as well. Um, so yeah, thanks. Thanks for clarifying that. So I know you mentioned reading the health at every size book. Can you explain like what that means and, and how it challenges the traditional views on health and weight? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, to clarify the the health at every size book is a is a great resource it's written by lindo bacon um 
And when I read the book, I thought Lindo Bacon created Health at Every Size. Mm. They wrote a book called Health at Every Size. <laughs> um, so, and there, there are there are some challenges with the book and like, you know, just like everything, we're always learning and evolving and doing better. Um, so I do want to name that health at every size is a, is a trademark is trademarked by ASDA, the association of size diversity and health. Um, and so they're kind of the keepers of the integrity of the health at every size movement. So I definitely recommend going to, I think it's asda.org. Um, there's a board, they do lots of continuing education and webinars. They're an amazing resource. Um, but yeah, so Health at Every Size is, is really, like you said, Ke uh, Kelly, challenging the way that we so tightly fuse health and weight um, and really says, actually, we can't tell much about someone's weight or someone much about someone's health, rather, by looking at them by the size of their body. Um, in fact, we can be anywhere along the health spectrum um, and be in any size body. Um, we can be, just to kind of challenge the, the assumptions, we can be unhealthy or more unhealthy and be smaller body, and we can be healthy and be more larger body. Um, so through kind of untangling health and weight, it really supports people in a more compassionate way to care for themselves. So it's like in the body that I have today, if I don't need to focus on weight loss to be healthy, um, what can I do? Well, I can engage in joyful movement. Um, I can nourish my body in ways that feel good. Um, you know, and, and, and then also like having access to healthcare <laughs> um, in a system that is so focused on size health at every size really challenges that and is trying to shift the narrative in the healthcare industry. Um, and there are, there are more and more healthcare providers that are saying, you know what, I'm not like, we don't have to weigh you. <laughs> um, and let's, you know, let's look at your health. Let's look at your labs that actually tell us a story about, about your health. Yeah, I actually, I guess it was some years ago that I learned that I could refuse to be weighed at the, my doctor's office. And mm -hmm. so, um, that was empowering for me to learn. And I just now, when I go in, I just tell them like, I, I don't want to do that. Like, let's just skip mm -hmm. it. And they don't push back or anything. So that's, I, I just didn't even know it was possible to like ask, but I mean, we are, you know, we're in the driver's seat of our own bodies. And so we get to, mm -hmm. to choose that. Right. Um, so definitely an empowering thing to do for sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, this is something that actually is like really striking with me. Um, so we have a young daughter actually, um, almost elementary age, and it's so fascinating because I think I've come into this mindset of, oh gosh, she has a watchful eye on me all the time. Um, so I'm wondering yeah. just how, just thinking about, you know, kind of like this weight aspect, right? Like we recently went to the doctor with her for an annual checkup and, um, of course they weighed her 
And we do have a scale at home. We don't step on it all the time, but we do have one and she knows about it. And she loves to, she calls it check her number because she loves to look at numbers. She doesn't understand the concept of what it means yet, but um, I'm just wondering if you could, um, you know, speak to this while we're, you know, kind of discussing this, but how can parents and, and educators even promote a healthy body image for children, for teenagers? Of course, you know, like we've said, obviously in light of you have this, this kind of common practice of let's check your weight. Let's look at the numbers. Um, could you mm-hmm. speak on that for us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, it's great that your daughter doesn't really know what that number means, you know, right now. And unfortunately there's going to be a time where she's going to have a narrative about that, you know, like it's just, again, the society that we live in. Um, And so I think certainly role modeling that, um, you know, trying to practice these things for ourselves um, as parents is a big one. Um, And, if we are engaging in health promoting behaviors like joyful movement, let's say um, using language that's like, yeah, and we're doing this for fun. We're doing this because we want to get outside and move our bodies and get some vitamin D. So really um, influencing at a, at a young age that movement doesn't have anything to do with weight loss. Um, it doesn't have to. Um, that would be one example Um, And then, you know, I think there's a lot of comments, you know, in school or just out in public about body size. And I think those are, those can be really good learning opportunities for kids. If they're saying something, likely they're repeating something they heard, you know, that might be, um, that might be fat phobic in nature, you know, just reframing like, oh, honey, actually, everyone has a different size body. We're all made differently and we're all beautiful, you know, things like that, um, that I think, I think can go a long way. It's, it's, it's hard because it's, it's everywhere. Diet culture is everywhere, but I think, um, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect either. You know, if, if we do something and we're like, oh crap, why did I say that? We can always go back and say, oh, you know, I said this thing and, and I actually, um, I want to, I want to come back to that. And I want to rename, like, actually let's, let's move our bodies to have fun. And it has nothing to do with our body size. Like we can always reframe and we can always repair. I'm going to say, thank you. Like that last point you made there, which is it's okay if you make a mistake. And if you are like in the moment of like, I can't believe that they just asked this and how do I respond? And, oh no, did I make a mistake? Like, the yeah. fact that it's okay to, you know, draw back and actually get some clarification or maybe just say, let's, let's talk about that a little bit later. So I at least have time to like educate myself and, um, you know, yeah. can address more appropriately. So I, I just, I really appreciate you speaking to that. Um, definitely from, you know, a, a perspective of somebody who's responsible for, you know, trying to help grow somebody <laughs> as an yeah. individual, as a responsible and respectful individual um, at yeah. that. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, of course. So Brett, you, when you were talking about that, you mentioned a term that I hear thrown around a lot. And actually I use a lot, which is diet culture. What, mm-hmm. what does that mean? What does diet culture mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, um, you know, culture, system of beliefs, um, that, uh, 
emphasizes that being smaller is better. Um, so that people in smaller bodies are morally superior and healthier than people in larger bodies. That's what diet culture is, is saying. That's their constitution. That's what they're trying to get, you know, get us mm. to buy into. Mm. And I say they, it's, you know, their diet culture is very connected to um, capitalism and weight loss companies and all these um, organizations that are profiting, profiting off of the result of these beliefs. Well, if I'm bought in, then I need to buy your weight loss drug. Mm. If I'm bought in, I need to, you know, buy these lollipops or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's how I would describe diet culture. That's kind of interesting too, uh, as I think of the rise of like drugs like Ozempic, Manjaro, mm -hmm. um, just, just thinking about like, as I scroll through Instagram, I'm, I'm seeing like more and more people talking about these things and to just realize the connection and what you said about the moral superiority thing, like that just really struck yeah. me. Like mm -hmm. that is the perpetuation of an ideal that we are not good enough if we don't look like this mm -hmm. and our, you know, and that goes down to like, our voices don't matter. Our right. Like so much, once you start digging into that and what's underneath of that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And which sets people up for failure because our bodies genetically are meant to be different sizes. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, genes are such a big part of our size that, and, you know, this is, a, I think, a hard truth. Um, we actually don't have as much control about our body size as we think we do. Diet culture tells us you can, you can get smaller, you know, and then when it doesn't work, they blame you. Mm. They don't, they're not telling you the truth that actually your body is meant to be whatever size it is. You know, like our bodies are so wise and care for us. Um, and yeah, diet culture doesn't want us to know that. I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind speaking on the mental health aspect, um, like what you've just touched on there, you know, what is our body telling us versus what we're seeing and then what our mind is like interpreting and, um, kind of spinning there, but if you could just talk about, you know, how does mental health kind of play into body positivity, body neutrality? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So much. <laughs> this is the work I do as a therapist. Um, so yeah, our, our past experiences shape and inform our beliefs about ourselves. Um, so if you, let's say you have a belief that I am not enough. And it's, it's like, logically, you might be able to challenge that belief, like the, let's see, I think it's the left, no, the right brain. I always confuse left, right brain, but I think it's the right brain. Uh, no, I think it's the left brain. Well, we can check that later. Anyways, the logical <laughs> part of your brain um, might be able to challenge that. But there's this other like emotional part of yourself that's like, this feels true to my core. Well, guess what? That came from an experience. You were not born 
believing I am not enough. Someone, somewhere, or a lot of things in your childhood shaped that. Um, and a lot of times that's, you know, related to weight stigma or bullying or, you know, all the things that people are surrounded by. Um, and so, yeah, the work that I do is like, okay, you, you're, you're struggling with confidence. What are those beliefs? Where did they come from? And a lot of critical thinking, like how come, who says, and challenging these beliefs. Um, there's a lot of emotional work to this, right? A lot of times it's anger, <laughs> being pissed off at these systems of oppression that, um, you know, essentially influence us to believe these things about ourselves. So processing anger, processing grief, like being sad that we spent so much time trying to change our bodies. Um, and through processing that we can come out on the other side, shifting those beliefs. And then, and then a lot of things change, right? Our relationship with ourself, our relationship with other people, um, how we feel throughout the day. So it's all doing lots with my hands. It's all connected. Um, and yeah. And I just want to say like, if anyone's listening that has these negative beliefs, like just to reiterate, you weren't born with this you were informed or influenced and there's healing that can happen. Um, and it's, yeah, it's work, but it's worth the work. Yeah. Th thank you for speaking to that. So much of it is internalized and it just, those negative and intrusive thoughts just continue to like perpetuate it even more and even more. So yeah, I yeah. appreciate you speaking to that. Mm-hmm. I know you mentioned therapy and obviously that is what you do and are so brilliant at, uh, apart from therapy, is there anything someone can do? Like if they're really struggling with negative self-talk around their bodies, is there anything that they can do to to cultivate more of a positive mindset or even a neutral mindset towards their bodies? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think the first thing, and this is less of a practical tip, but the first thing that I do want to name is being compassionate towards yourself that you're having these negative thoughts. Mm. Um, because these negative thoughts, even though they are intrusive, they are there to essentially protect us. They're trying to protect us and tell us we have to feel this way about ourselves because the world is telling us we need to be smaller to fit in and to belong. So it's like, of course, we're going to have these beliefs to try to belong. Mm. Um so I would say like the first thing is like, be kind to yourself. Nothing is wrong with you that you're having these thoughts. You're having these thoughts for good reasons. Um, and kindness and gentleness to yourself can go a long way. Um, and then, yeah, beyond like hiring a therapist or working with a therapist, um, lots of practical things like um, wearing clothes that feel good, wear comfortable clothes. Um you know, uh, surround yourself with people who are in alignment with 
you know, the, the work that you want to do, um, set boundaries with people who aren't, you know, who are on a different page. Um, and I think the educational piece, you know, for the person who's like, I really want to understand, like needs that needs to read health at every size needs to go to the ASDA website. You know, there's, there's tons of awesome resources, but I think like, it's kind of, a lot of we need to tackle this from a lot of different areas we need to understand why you know health and weight are unrelated uh, we need a community and then and then we can do things to care for our body that that feel good that feel comfortable those are just some ideas those are so good and of course i'm thinking about uh being around family at different occasions and things that are sometimes brought up about bodies and body sizes and in connection with food or how much someone puts on their plate or those types of things. Um, do you have any quick tips <laughs> for us? <laughs> like if we, if that is the situation and we're heading in maybe to like the holidays in that environment where those types of things might happen. It's mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a uh, funny timing because last night we just had a holiday prep workshop for the intuitive oh, nice. eater. And it's all about this. It's like, how do you go into these environments when you know someone's going to make a comment? Um, I wish I had Kathleen here with me to give me some ideas. Um yeah, and I think it's so dependent on um, your relationship with these people, you know, like sometimes it's worth the fight, like it's worth setting the boundary. Sometimes it is not, mm. you know, if you know it, like it's going to be way more exhausting to say something and you're going to get like a lot of resistance or um, combativeness from, from the receiver, then it's like, you know, walk away. <laughs> um, right. But I think, you know, we've got like the external stuff we got to deal with. We've got, you know, family members or friends that might be challenging that we have to navigate. But then it's also like, how do we care for ourselves through these experiences, lunches, dinners? Um, you know, is it making sure that we are well fed and nourished? If we know that we are going to go into, um, a dinner where people are going to be looking at your plate and you don't feel safe eating an adequate meal, can you eat before you go? So you've at least had something and then you can, you know, snack while you're there. Um, so I think caring for yourself, taking breaks, <laughs> going outside, getting a fresh breath of air. Um, those are just some ideas, but it's, it's hard, you know, it's, it's definitely can be a challenging experience depending on those folks you're thinking of. I mean, definitely like, I wish I would have been at that workshop. That sounds amazing um, and helpful. Uh, but also to know that this is a common experience, common enough for you to have a whole workshop on it. Yes. Um, that like, we're not, you know, if that does happen, we're, we're not alone. This is, this is mm -hmm. a common kind of experience. And, and those were really great tips too, to take mm -hmm. with us. Yeah. Good. 
Yeah. So, um, speaking of food, um, I'm wondering if you could speak on the nutrition aspect. Um, and even if you don't mind kind of touching on the exercise aspect as well, um, in these movements for body positivity and health at every size. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, another thing to mention, um, about health at every size is that, it is a social, it's a social justice movement. Um, it's rooted in social justice and caring for marginalized identities. And um, so they say in this movement that health is not a moral obligation. That if you are, you know, if health is not one of your values, you are not a lesser person than me. Um, so I do want to name that because I think that's important. Um, and then obviously like for disabled folks, like their relationship with health is going to look a lot different, um, for myself as an able-bodied person. Um, so just want to name that, but like, yeah, if you do value health, um, then there are ways that we can care for ourselves in a compassionate way. Um, the nutrition piece, uh, health at every size gels very well with intuitive eating, um, intuitive eating, is a book written by Elise Resch and Evelyn Triboli. Um, and there's 10 principles. And it's the first principle is, um, I forget exactly what it's called, but it's like ditching diet culture. So it's like, we have to do that first before we do, or we have to not necessarily like check you did it. I feel like that's like an ongoing thing, but we have to be um, on our way to divesting from diet culture before we can do, let's say the 10th principle, which is like gentle nutrition. Um, because if, you know, let's say you're on principle 10, that's like nutrition advice or eat more vegetables that very quickly jumps back into like diet language and like mm. food police. Um, so I do want to name that, but yeah, intuitive eating is really about listening to your body. Um, practicing like some people are pretty disconnected from their body so it can be really hard like I don't know am I hungry am I full I have no idea um so so that's that's part of the work listening to your body um eating when you're hungry you know stopping when you're full but even then like you're not a bad person if you don't stop when you're full like <laughs> it's a it's not a perfect system um, sometimes we want to eat more because it's just so delicious and that's great. You're eating for pleasure. That's, that's beautiful. Um, so yeah, intuitive eating is, you know, I don't want to go on and on about it, but I definitely recommend looking that up, um, for the listeners who aren't familiar. Um, and then, yeah, the movement piece is really trying to, um, untangle movement for weight loss. Um, and reconnect to movement to anything else. <laughs> Feel strong, have fun, be with your friends, um, process anger. Um, we have a really cool circuit coming up also with Kathleen. It's called a rage room circuit. And so mm. it's all about like <laughs> slamming stuff. It's probably going to be, you know, intense music, but move to process emotions. Like Movement is great to get emotions to metabolize in the body. We actually metabolize emotions just like, uh, kind of like we metabolize food. Um, but yeah, finding ways to care for yourself, 
that feel good that don't feel like from a place of guilt and shame. I appreciate you speaking to that. Like I have just been transported back in time. Like I mentioned where I used to play multiple sports. Like it was all about moving your body for being an elite athlete. But I also like forget sometimes that when I'm going through things to move my body for the fact of, like you said, just moving through emotions and understanding that moving my body doesn't mean I have to move the number on the scale. It's about shifting that mindset for myself too, and processing things. So that is just, that's so profound. And I appreciate you speaking to that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so thinking a little bit about health at every size, intuitive eating, these, these types of principles for someone who wants to do this work, um, and really wants to dive in to figuring out why am I talking negatively about myself? Why am I obsessing over food, over movement, over whatever it might be? Are there, like, is this something where practitioners out there are either like aligned with these or not? Like how, do, how does someone go about, I mean, obviously they're going to come to you, but you're going to get hooked <laughs> up. So <laughs> how do people find people mm-hmm. like this to connect with? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, the ASDA website does have a, have a directory. Um, I don't know how many people are on it, but I know that they have a directory. Um, current wellness is the wellness center that I own. Like we are very much aligned with health at every size. So, um, a lot of our therapists, some don't specialize in this work, but, um, some do, and all of our dietitians do. Um, and so you can always reach out to us and we can connect you to someone, even if they're not at current wellness. I know, um, I actually, um, am a facilitator for, uh, this group called the health at every size, North Carolina practitioners. And I think there's like close to 90 of us on the Google group. So it's, it's growing. Like there's more and more people who are aligned with health at every size, um, I will say that unfortunately, just like anything that starts to get integrated into mainstream wellness culture, it gets co-opted very quickly. Um, So you, if you see someone saying, I'm teaching an intuitive eating workshop, and in this workshop, you're going to learn how to develop the body of your dreams. That is not intuitive eating. (laughs) Um, So you have to be a little careful, um, which is really frustrating for, for me, um, because that is confusing to the consumer. If that is their first experience with intuitive eating, they think, oh, intuitive eating is essentially another diet, um, which it's not. So I don't want to get on a soapbox, but, (laughs) um, if they're using the health at every size trademark, that's probably a good sign. If they're saying, you know, like I don't help. It's okay if you want to lose weight, but I don't help you do that. Like I can't because that's unethical, um, because it might may or may not be possible and it can be harmful for you. Um, that's a good sign. And, um, I was going to say something else, but 
yeah, reach out and I can help connect you to someone. I do have a wait list, so I'll connect you to someone. <laughs> Um, well, just for a, a final thought today, um, for, for anyone listening, what does finding peace with your body look like from your perspective as an expert? Mm, that's a great question. I think it, it can look a lot of different ways, to be honest. Um, I don't want to, um, you know, set up this fairy tale of you're just going to love your body and it's going to be amazing. Um, because we still are, you know, in a system of oppression. Um, and that is, can be really hard to battle, you know, on a daily basis. Um, but I think part of finding peace involves healing from past wounds, um, processing that. So you come on the other side, believing something more positive, you know, I am enough. Uh, I am enough as I am. And then I think another piece of it is really connecting to yourself. So it, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that you have a positive body image, but that you are more embodied. Mm. You are more in your body um, and you have more capacity to be with yourself, be with your body, be with your emotions, even if they're hard. Um, so it's really about that connection to self that I think is, is a big piece of, of peace. Thank you for speaking on that. Um, I think peace is a huge aspect of this. Um, so appreciate you speaking on that. So Brett, people are going to want to find you online, obviously. Can you <laughs> tell us where, where we can find you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so currentwellnessraleigh.com is um, the website of my wellness center. And then, yeah, there's lots of different practitioners on the website to connect to. So that is a good resource to connect to other folks. Um, and I'm on there as well. Um, I do teach movement classes and embodiment classes and, and do one-on-one -on -one work. Perfect. Well, we just, I mean, I personally have just learned so much and feel I don't know. This was like a very like healing conversation for me personally. I think um, just there's so much power in being surrounded by like-minded people and um, people who get it, I think. And so that that's one reason that makes your wellness center so, such a beautiful place, such a, such a great space. Um, mm -hmm. so thank you. Thank you so much for being here, for taking the time and, uh, for sharing your expertise with us. We've really appreciated it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today on the creative collective podcast. We hope you enjoyed this content and connected with it in some way. We would love for you to take a second right now and think about one takeaway that you can take with you into your day. Uh, something maybe that will challenge a mindset that you've had or something that you'll do differently from this day forward. Uh, just take a minute, open your notes app and just write it down right now. If you're driving, please don't do that. Uh, do it a little bit later, but please do that. Also, 
We would love it if you would follow us on Instagram. We will link to all of that in the show notes at our website as well. And if you are enjoying this content, please take a minute to rate and review us. We would like really appreciate it, especially if you give us a five-star review. Hope you have an amazing day. Bye.